to One Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. Well, if you have your Bible today, would you grab it with me and turn to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is my first Sunday preaching in like three weeks which is the longest time that I've ever gone without preaching since I started preaching. So hopefully I still remember how to do it, okay? Opening your Bibles is a good start. And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to read a few verses here. Uh, Starting in verse 1, the Apostle Paul says this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, or or, uh, just Spirituals is the actual literal translation or the things that the Holy Spirit does. Paul calls them the manifestations of the Spirit. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, and I think we can add sistren without doing any injustice to the Scripture, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. I want to just focus again, as we have been over the last couple months, on this scripture and this encouragement. I do not want you to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. Now, if you're a guest here today or just joining us recently, we've been in a series over the last couple of months uh, that we are calling Inspire. We've been calling Inspire, and uh, we've been talking about what does it look like to live filled with the Spirit? What does it look like to have that that, uh, breath of fresh air in our lungs, that wind in our sails, and uh, specifically uh, the the manifestation of the Spirit in spiritual gifts, and um, I hope that over the last couple of months that your heart has been stirred, your vision has been expanded about what God wants to do for you because this reality is just an incredible, incredible thing. I shared with you that at the beginning that in the Old Testament, uh, the Holy Spirit was poured out just on a few people, kind of like super spiritual uh, prophets, priests, kings, but th- there was a prophecy that, would, that came that said that in the last days, the Holy Spirit would be poured out, God's Spirit would be poured out on all flesh. How many of you are all flesh? Pinch yourself and just make sure you're flesh, okay? You, you count. If you, if you have flesh, if you are flesh, if you are a man, a woman, young or old, uh, you count for that. And so the Bible says that the Holy Spirit's been poured out on all of us. God's presence lives in us. That is an incredible reality, amen? That, that should be mind-blowing that God who created the universe lives in you and wants to manifest through you. And you're, let me just say it this way. There is, no, if, well, there is no such thing as a normal person. Every person you see on the street, there's no such thing as a normal person. Some of you are like, yeah, I know. Uh, there, there's no normal people. No, it, there's no normal people because every person's made in the image of God. And for those who put their faith in Jesus and have been filled with the Spirit, they are a temple, the dwelling place of God everywhere they go, okay? And so God is wanting to manifest His power and His presence through us in the world around us. And one of the ways He does that is through spiritual gifts. 
And so we've been talking about all of these gifts, and the Bible says that we should eagerly desire spiritual gifts. That's like kids wanting V-Bucks. That was for you guys, Daniel, Ryan, Anders. That's for the, the, I'm trying to appeal to the youth in the room, okay? That means eagerly desire, that go after, have a, have a passion for spiritual gifts. And so we've been talking about that. We've been teaching on those things. Last week, Matt Hammer talked about healing. Didn't Matt do a great job? Did so, so good. And I just want to say Matt is one of the most faith-filled people that you'll ever encounter when it comes to uh, the gift of healing. And I, I believe that God wants to impart that into all of us. But here's what I, I want you to understand today, that there is a danger in spiritual gifts. There is a danger in spiritual gifts. And here's the danger that I want you to understand about spiritual gifts. The danger of spiritual gifts is when spiritual gifts become selfish rather than serving. The danger of spiritual gifts, just like any gift, is that they can become selfish rather than serving. They can turn inward rather than outward. And so every time that we see a teaching on uh, spiritual gifts throughout the Scripture, every place we also see an exhortation to love and a warning against selfishness. The, the Bible says this in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. Not about just keeping it for yourself, minister it. Each one has received a gift. Therefore, each one is to minister it to other people. Therefore, each one is a minister. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a minister. If you don't have a neighbor, just talk to yourself and say, I'm a minister. Every one of us are ministers called to minister to other people. 1 Corinthians 14, 12 says this, Even so, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church. Not for you to just look inward and go, what spiritual gifts do I have so that I can talk about it at a party conversation? Right? And that's not the purpose of spiritual gifts. It's to use it to edify. Who is it to edify? The church. Ephesians 4, verse 12, Paul is talking about the fivefold gifts. And he says this, that they are for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the body of Christ. And so again and again throughout Scripture, every time that there is a teaching on spiritual gifts, there is an encouragement towards love and a warning against selfishness. Here's what I want you to know today is that selfishness is the danger of spiritual life. I'm going to say it again. Selfishness is the danger of all of spiritual life. Nothing will kill your spirit any quicker than selfishness. Amen. Amen. And I, I'm, I'm not sure if you believe me, but it's true. Nothing will kill life as a whole any quicker than selfishness. Selfishness in our spiritual life will turn salvation into a, 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 a list of who's in and who's out. It, it will cause us, if we, if we receive salvation or view it through a lens of selfishness, it will turn it, it, will turn it into a, a, an eternal party invite, and you are not on the list. Yeah. 
That's the way if you view it through selfishness, right? Selfishness will turn reading the Bible, it, it will turn the Bible around so the story of God, I'm the, I become the main character in the story of God if I read the Bible through selfishness. Rather than Jesus being the main character and he lets me be in the supporting cast of his story. How many of you know it's better to be in his story than your story? If you want to make his story, you need to be in his story, right? Living, it just came to me in the moment. It's cheesy, I know, but I just, I went with it. Selfishness turns worship into, it's all about me. It's all about me. It's about my comfort. It's about me feeling good. Wasn't worship, I really liked worship today, which I did, and that's great. But how many of you know whether I like worship or not is kind of irrelevant because it's not about me, right? That, that's like going to somebody's birthday party and being like, nobody brought me any gifts. Well, it's not your party, right? It's not your party. This is not about us. And salvation will turn and the Holy Spirit will turn our, our world upside down, right side up, so that we're no longer on the top. Jesus is on the top and we view all of life as worship to him. And so that will make us loving to other people. That will make us want to offer what the Bible calls a sacrifice of praise, right? Even though we may not be comfortable with it. Why? Because it's not about us. And spiritual gifts are no different. Spiritual gifts are, are like divine downloads. And I, I got a new phone not too long ago, and I was set free from the, the prison of 16 gigs <laughs> memory. And uh, I've just been going crazy with apps. And I found this. There's, there's an app for everything, and it is awesome. And um, they're they so useful. And spiritual gifts are like apps. They're divine downloads. But, but every spiritual gift runs on the operating system of service. You can have an app, but if you don't have an operating system, the app does not work. The same is true with our spiritual gifts. You can, have, you can be the most gifted person in the world, but if you do not have the operating system of serving, those gifts will not work. And so here Paul is addressing this issue. This was the issue in the Corinthian church. This place that we go to to look for the probably the most obvious teaching on spiritual gifts throughout the Bible. And Paul is addressing the issue of selfishness. Paul had gone to this church in Corinth, preached the gospel. People got saved. Uh, they planted this church. People were baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. They heard about spiritual gifts, and they just went crazy with spiritual gifts. And the root of the problem was not about the gifts. He didn't say, stop with the gifts. The root of the problem was their selfishness. It, it was all about them. And so when they came together, not only in their spiritual gifts were they selfish, but they also had a, a meal and everybody was pigging out and getting drunk at the meal before anybody else could come. They, they were the front of the line, filling their plate, you know, double fisting it with a communion wine before anybody else could show up. It was all about them. They were also 
there was sexual immorality in the church. Paul addresses that in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 because it was all about what felt good to them, what they thought was the right thing to do. And worship also led into this emotional frenzy. He starts this passage by saying, you were carried away to these dumb idols. What he's talking about is this emotional frenzy that in the pagan temple that was in Corinth, when they came together, they would work themselves up into this wild frenzy in the name of worship, and the crazier it was, the more spiritual they thought it was. And Paul says this, that when you come into the church, it's not all about you. Didn't sound sure about that, but Paul is saying this, you have the power if, if the church in Corinth had a theme song, it would be the 80s, 90s hit, I've Got the Power. You remember that? I've Got the Power. That would be their theme song, okay? But he say, Paul says this to the church in Corinth, power without purpose is dangerous. If it's just power and there is no purpose, in other words, if God's power is not connected to God's purpose, it becomes dangerous, we, we can see an illustration of this a few years ago, or more than a few years ago now. How many of you remember the BP oil spill? Do you remember that? In 2010, uh, there was a huge oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico, and there was 200, uh, 200 million gallons of crude oil that was spilled into the Gulf of Mexico. Hundreds of thousands of sea creatures were killed because of oil, and the, the, the cost of the spill was over $61 billion. Now, how many of you are thankful for oil? If you did not ride your bike to work to church today, you should raise your hand. We're thankful for oil. It's a blessing, a gift from God. But power outside of its intended purpose or outside of the channel of purpose becomes dangerous. There was lost potential, million, I mean, I almost ran out of gas this morning on the way to church. I was down to, it, it was saying uh, I had five miles left to go, and I was going, Jesus, you got to get me there. And, uh, but how, how far could 200 million gallons of crude oil get you? I mean, that's a lot, that gets you a long way, right? So there was huge potential that was lost, huge value, $61 billion lost, hundreds of thousands of sea creatures and actually some human life lost as well, lost potential, lost value, and lost life. And I believe that Paul would say the same thing, that when, there is, when power is not connected to purpose, when, when uh, spiritual gifts become just self-centered rather than, than for the purpose of serving God's purpose, advancing the kingdom of God through building up the church, that there is lost potential, lost value, and lost life. And we, we don't live in Corinth today. I know that we don't go to, you know, there's not a, a, a pagan temple here where, where everybody goes and uh, worships, you know, a false idol. But how many of you know that, that idolatry is still a thing? Right? I mean, we may not go to, to that temple uh, here but today, our idolatry or our false spirituality is what the sociologist uh, Christian Schwartz calls moralistic therapeutic deism, or I would just call it selfie spirituality, right? 
Selfie spirituality is the new, uh, is the new idol worship of our day, where it's all about me. It's all about me feeling good. It's all about my needs being met. It's all about uh, my preferences. It's selfie spirituality. And, and, and oftentimes, this false spirituality can sound very good. It can look, if you walked into the church in Corinth when they're just going crazy with the gifts, you'd be like, wow, they're super spiritual. They, they must really love Jesus. No, they didn't really love Jesus. It was they loved themselves. But selfie spirituality can sometimes look very good, right? It can look very spiritual. Self-centeredness loves to look spiritual. I remember one time uh, I, I asked a guy uh, if he could pray. And I just asked him, hey, could you pray? It was like in a small group meeting. I said, hey, would you mind praying, leading us in prayer? He said, I'll pray about it. Now, he didn't mean he would pray about what we were praying about. He said he, he meant he would pray about praying. Let me say that again. He was praying to ask God if he should pray, right? Sounds very spiritual. I was like, whoa, dude, you are super spiritual. You don't even pray without praying first. That's super spiritual. But that is not super spiritual. That is selfie spirituality. It looks very spiritual, but it's actually all about me and my comfort. Selfie spirituality can look good. In, in our day and age, selfie spirituality can come under the guise of self-care. Now, I know we, I may step on toes. Forgive me in advance. Let me just say this, I am all for, the Bible tells us we should Sabbath, we should take a day off, we should have time alone with Jesus, but there has been a swing in the pendulum in our culture. What used to be, we worked ourselves to the bone in the name of success, now the pendulum has swung to the other end where Oftentimes, our selfishness is no longer in the pursuit of success. It's just manifesting in a different way. And we call it oftentimes self-care. Now, some, some things that are called self-care are, are good things. But selfishness can sometimes fly under the banner of self-care. And, and let me just say this. Not everything that is good for your soul is good for yourself. My, my encouragement would be that rather than promoting self-care, that we would promote soul care, that, that we would look to Jesus. Ultimately, our soul, if you look, or you, you look at yourself, we were singing, you won't find any satisfaction. Why were we singing today? You are the most beautiful thing. You're the thing my heart longs for because the thing that will fill your soul is not when you look to yourself, it's when you, will, you look to Jesus. And so not everything that is good for your soul is good for yourself. Generosity is not good for yourself, right? Like giving money away, that does nothing for myself, but it does do something for my soul. It is good for my soul. It will kill the... the Cancer of selfishness that if it is not dealt with will destroy my life. 
And serving is the same way. It's not necessarily good for myself. Those of you who woke up this morning, I, I was here about 7.45, and the first people started getting here, setting things up. Now, let me tell you this. It wasn't good for them to do that. There was no personal benefit. It would have benefited themselves to get an extra hour and a half of sleep. There was no benefit for them coming to serve. It was not serving themselves. They weren't making a name for themselves, but what they were doing, although it may not have been good for themselves, it was good for their soul. It was good for their soul. It's, it, it's tearing away the self-centeredness. It's pulling against the, the gravitational pull of self in our own lives. And so today, uh, we're calling this Activation Sunday. And uh, we've been talking about spiritual gifts. And let me just say this. Uh, I hope all of you have taken the spiritual gifts test. I hope all of you have studied and learned and discovered what your gifts are. If you have not, we still want to help you with that. But here's what I, I want you to understand is that ultimately, uh, your gifts are not about introspection. They're about activation. Does anybody remember a story out of the Bible of, uh, of some people that had received some things and did nothing with them? Buried them in the ground? Anybody remember that story? Right? I think Jesus' words were wicked and lazy servant. Anybody? Not, not my words, his words, okay? And uh, so the point of this is not all about just for, for my own introspection. It's about activation, it's about activation. I love what Reinhard Bonnke says. He says this, that those who are eternally seeking the will of God will be run over by those doing the will of God. The best way to find God's purpose for your life is not to sit around eternally introspection, looking at your gifts, taking the taking the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram and the spiritual gifts test, nothing wrong with all of those things, but at some point, you actually have to do something, right? You actually, the, you actually have to serve somebody. And, um, and, and so I want to give you just some practical application today. We're going we're, we're gonna to have communion at the end of this service, and we're going to dismiss you. Uh, and We've got some food and a place for you to sign up. Uh, for gifts uh, or for, uh, for teams out in the lobby, but I want to give you some activation points today because we've been talking about all of these spiritual gifts and they won't do us any good if we don't activate the gifts, okay? And so, Gabriel, can we just put those, those gifts and activations, if we have them, up on the screen? All right, so here's what we've done. We have a list of the gifts and then places that those can be activated in the life of one church. Take a moment. Memorize it. Take a photo. We'll send them to you. Don't worry. You don't have to memorize it now. And to be honest, these may not be everything, but here's what we want to do. We want to give you some practical application for what we've been teaching. We just want to give you some action steps. So here's practical things you can do. I, I won't go through all of these, but if you have the gift of teaching, don't just sit there and, and, and have the gift of teaching, do something with it, get plugged in. One Kids is a great place to start. Yeah. Youth ministry, we have a vision for youth ministry. We have the vision, what are we lacking? We used to be lacking a place to do it. We now have a place to do it. What are we lacking? We're lacking the people to do it, okay? And so if you've got the gift of teaching, that's a great place to use it. Um, 
If you have, are we just moving through these now? Leadership, you could be a leader on team one. You ever met somebody, they love to call themselves a leader, but there's nobody following them? Have you ever met anybody like that? Like if you think you're a leader and nobody's following you, you turn around, nobody's behind you, you're not a leader, you're a walker. You're just taking a walk, okay? You're just out for a walk if nobody's following you. Jeff and Sherry Walker, you're not just walkers, you're leaders. All right, um, evangelism. If you've got the gift of evangelism, how can you use it? Alpha is coming up. Yes, I am so excited about Alpha um, because it's, it's one of the most non-threatening ways to share the gospel with your friends and family. So I want to encourage you to be thinking about who you're going to invite to Alpha. Healing, uh, we'll just go through them. We'll send it to you. Faith, miracles, discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation. Here's, uh, just stay here for just a moment. Many of these function in the same way. Um, our prayer team if you have a gift of faith, that's you, you just supernaturally believe God for great things, we'd love to have you on the prayer team. Uh, Steph, the, the prayer team leader. Um, our Alpha Day Away, uh, all of these, Alpha Day Away, that's a time where we make space for people to encounter the Holy Spirit. It's one of the highlights of the year that we do a couple times throughout the year. Discerning of spirits on the prayer team. Now, that's not just discerning demonic spirits. That's discerning uh, the spirit that people are operating out of. And uh, it, it's basically, it's having a good read on people and the situation and motivation behind people. And so you can have a work, uh, serve on the prayer team. Another thing on that that we, we've not started yet is if you've got the, the gift of discerning spirits, um, security. That's a good activation point, isn't it? And, and honestly, we need, a, we need some security team here. We've got a host team that is aware of what's happening, but we do need people that, are, that would be in the lobby, maybe a person every week that would be in the lobby. There is a, a security team member from the museum here, but we need people that are just aware of that. Also, um, can we go back to helps? I think it's at the bottom of one of them. The gift of helps. Again, I'm not going to go through all of these, but the gift of helps. When I talked about that, I shared with you that that is the Swiss army knife of spiritual gifts. It's just good, whatever you need, or maybe we'd say the Leatherman. Is that the, the right thing? It's a multi-tool, okay? The gift of helps is a, multi, a spiritual multi-tool that you will be glad you have it when you need it. And so we've got uh, many things that we just need help with. Venue team. Do we need some help on the venue team? Come on, venue team said yes. Uh, production team that's serving. Uh, that's, that's the production team back there, shout, shouting. And um, production team, social media. We, we need some help with social media, photography, videography. Um, the alpha, again, the alpha team is coming up. So many opportunities for you to get plugged in. And if you don't see something up there or if you don't see something when you leave today, just come to myself or uh, Nate and Steph or uh, any of our leaders here, and we can help you to get plugged in with one of these areas. But I want you to understand, again, that, it, that the whole conversation around spiritual gifts is not just about introspection but activation, okay? Everybody with me on that? Awesome. Okay, well, let me give you, I know you've heard that, and you're like, yes, Justin, of course you're telling me I need to serve in the church because you're a pastor, and that's your job 
to, to do that. Yes, it is my job to do that. Uh, in fact, the Bible says that my job is equipping the saints, which literally means putting the pipeline or the equipment in place for the power of God to move. And, and I believe uh, more than ever, I believe God wants to do something powerful in our community. That's why we've been talking about spiritual gifts, because it's not enough to just have a few people that are using their gifts. We need every person equipped and active in ministry. But if you think that I'm just encouraging you with that because I'm a pastor, let me give you three reasons to serve. First reason is this, what I would call a spiritual reason, and it is this. When you serve, Jesus is worshiped. Jesus is worshiped. David said it this way in 1 Chronicles 21, verse 24, I will not offer what is yours for the Lord. If you know that, uh, that context of that story, someone had given him uh, some, some water and he poured it out and he said, I won't offer to the Lord what costs me nothing. I, I'm not going to uh, put my name on your gift at the party. I'm not looking for a freebie. I'm not going to re-gift something that did not cost me anything. And worship at its essence is not about just a nice spiritual experience. It's not even about music, as important as that is. Worship, the, the definition of worship is, is this simple. It's sacrifice. If there is no sacrifice, there is no worship. And so when you serve, when you get up early and you come perhaps to serve on the venue team, what are you saying? You're saying, Jesus, you are better than my bed. That's what you're saying. When you serve in Alpha this fall and you serve on a Monday night in Alpha, you're saying, Jesus, you are better than Monday night football or Monday night raw. Right? You are better than, than, than anything else that I could be doing right now. You are worshiping Jesus through serving. The second reason we should worship is what I would call a communal reason, and it is this, that when you serve, the church is built up. Who had some coffee on your way in this morning? Who's thankful? Yeah, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Flowing through Sarah Griffin to brew the coffee this morning, right? Uh, who, who's... Who has some kids in one kids right now? Some of you are not raising your hands. I know you've got kids in there. Do not deny them right now, okay? <laughs> Isn't it a blessing to have coffee on a Sunday morning? Isn't it a blessing to have somebody that would watch your kids and, and they're not charging for it? They're just serving out of love in their hearts and all of the practical things. Somebody that set up the signs outside so I met some girls this morning that were here for the first time last week because they saw a sign. What is that? The church being built up through people serving. How many of you want to be in a community where every person is focused on themselves? Count me out. Like, do you want to be in a family where everybody's just looking out for number one? No, we want to be in a community. What would happen in a community if everybody just said, I'm all in to serve other people? You wouldn't have to worry about having your needs met because, because as you serve, you would be served. Romans 12.10 says this, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. 
Be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Don't be, oh, I gotta be here today. I gotta do my duty. He's saying, no, you be energetic. Be zealous. David said it this way, serve the Lord with gladness, right? And so when we serve, the church is built up. Number three is, is a personal reason, and it is this. When you serve or when I serve, my character is transformed. So when I serve, Jesus is worshiped. When I serve, the church is built up. And when I serve, my character is transformed. The Bible says it this way in Philippians 2 verse 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ. It goes on to say this, who did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of man. Jesus became a servant. The more you serve, the more you will become like Jesus. How anxious is Jesus? He's not anxious at all. How stressed is Jesus? He's not stressed at all. So the more you serve, and of course in balance and parameters, we can talk about all of that, but the more you serve, the more you become like Jesus. You become like Jesus. This is an upside-down kingdom. The measure of your greatness is not how many people serve you, where you fall on the org chart. The measure of our greatness is how many people do we serve. The more people we serve, the greater we are. It's true in church. It's true in home. It's true in business. It's true in all of life. So lastly, as you serve, what will the outcome be? What will happen when you serve? Well, I love to tell you that when you serve, people are going to, it's just going to be so amazing. People are going to start taking pictures of you doing it. They're going to post it on Instagram, and it's, it's going to start trending, and people are going to come, and there's, they're going to want you to write books, and you're going to probably start speaking at conferences, and you're going to travel all around the world, and then you're going to be a consultant, and no, that pro, let me just tell you, that probably won't happen. Okay, I hate to burst your bubble, that probably won't happen. What will happen when you serve? Here's some things I believe will happen when you serve. The outcome of serving is your friends will say, he actually believes what he says he believes. He doesn't just say he's a Christian. He actually shows that he loves Jesus by sacrificing of himself. People will believe that you, they will believe that, that you believe what you say you believe. What will happen when you serve? Your heart will be humbled. The Bible never says be humble. The Bible says humble yourself. It's a verb. So as you humble yourself, you become humble. And so as you serve, here's what will happen. The next time you see that social media post from that person, you know who that person is? That person, their posts are so cool. Their, their life looks so great, right? Just me? Y'all don't know anybody like that? The next time you see that, you will not be filled with jealousy. You will not be filled with, with, with frustration. You'll be filled with peace because you've crucified the flesh through serving. When you serve, those of you who have kids, when you serve, your, your children will, will believe that you believe what you say you believe. That mom and dad, uh, this is not just something they do at home or say at home and do once, uh, once in a while but they actually believe that they, 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 uh, they believe what they say they believe. You're practicing in the church what you're encouraging your children to practice at home. If you can't get, oh, let me just, I should give a, a little warning here. 
If you can't serve in the church, don't get frustrated if your children won't serve at home. Okay, moving on, moving on. Mm. When you serve, if a coworker gets promoted and you think you should have that promotion, it's the promotion you've been wanting, but when you serve, the selfishness, the ambition in your heart is dealt with so that you can rejoice in a person that gets what you want to have. When you serve or one day, perhaps not today, perhaps not until the other side of eternity, somebody may come to you and say, I'm here today because you greeted me at the door on a Sunday at one church. And I didn't know, I'd been out of church for years and I didn't think I'd ever come back, but when I walked in the door, you loved me, you accepted me, you smiled at me. It was the only welcome home that I ever experienced. When you serve, perhaps one day someone will say, I'm here in heaven, I'm serving Jesus because when I was a youth, you listened to me. You paid attention to me. You taught me in, in wild ones that God is not against me, but he's for me and he loves me. Maybe one day someone will say to you, the prayer that you prayed with me at the altar when I thought I was going to give up and I couldn't go any further was the breakthrough moment that changed my life forever. And I want you to know today that that is why we serve. We don't serve to make a name for ourselves. We serve to make the name of Jesus, to show the name of Jesus as great as it truly is. Amen? Would you stand up to your feet? Worship team, you guys come back. Come back up.